Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for being here today, Jesus, that we can give you praise in this place. Fear 
pray in just a moment. Of course, later on, we'll hear the Word of God. And I was drawn to just one verse, and the whole passage is fantastic, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's what we need to do when we hear the word this morning, is to take every thought captive, to bring it under the authority of Jesus Christ, to offer it to him. And even if we don't offer it, he has incredible authority, incredible power, and he will do a work in us. But how much better when we humbly submit ourselves to him, amen? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you that we're going to hear your word today, as we do every Sunday. Lord, we're going to hear your word. And Lord, I pray that every thought would be taken captive and every thought would be captivated by your word, by your scriptures, by the Bible itself, Lord God. And and that your Holy Spirit would make it alive to us, that we'd be quickened with what we hear today. Lord, I pray that your power would be displayed through your word in our lives. And we give it all to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's take a few moments and greet those around you. Maybe stroll across the other side of the sanctuary. Welcome. Good morning. Oh, boy, I'm glad I'm not preaching this morning. Pastor Hans, I'm going to be praying for you. So, (laughs) and it's not like we got hit with a major snowstorm. Boy, God is good. That little dusting of snow. Thank you, Jesus. I love green grass. So one more, one more victory for Petrucci prayers. <laughs> I know all these guys. And did you see the youth group went up to, they went up like, you know, wherever near, near the, yeah, just round top or whatever it's called. Um, there was just enough snow in the pathways to do what you had to do. So I'm glad you squeaked that one in. But I guess next year, maybe a little bit later after the chance of snow. But who knows? Who knows? There might not be any more snow in our future. Yes, those are my people. See me after service. Anyways, we're going to get ready to to bring our gifts to the Lord, tithes and offerings. But uh, if you are, if you are a first-time guest here, we have these Connect cards in the seat back in front of you. Fill that out. Uh, When you're done, take it to the information desk on your way out, and we've got a bag of of some gifts that we'd like to give you. So let's pray for today's offering. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your provision. You are Jehovah Jireh. You've proven yourself over and over, at least in my life and in so many people I know. You do provide. And I thank you that now we have this opportunity to plant seed for a future harvest. And I pray, God, that you'd bless each one as we give this morning. Bless each gift. Bless each giver. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, announcements, things that are upcoming. We've got a lot of things in your bulletin this morning. Young adults meet this Friday at 7 o'clock at the, Nick Wal- uh, at the Walters house. Um, and second thing is next Sunday is our annual business meeting following the service. So if you'll hang around, we'll get our quorum, we'll get through business expeditiously. Uh, if you absolutely cannot be here next week, but you'd still like to take part, we have absentee ballots that are on the information desk. You can take one of those, get it back to us before next Sunday, and uh, you'll, you'll be allowed to vote for two new deacons. Um, that's the only business you'll be able to share in if you do the absentee ballot. Um, also, March 3rd, a whole lot of things are happening March 3rd. That is our missions weekend. Sam Johnson will be with us in the morning. At night, we have an international banquet. And again, begin to put your menu together. That is probably the best food that we have all year long. Always look forward to that evening. And uh, there will be a little, there will be somewhat of a brief missions emphasis that evening. We want to spend time fellowshipping and enjoying the good food that you've all prepared. So that again, that's two weeks from today. Uh, Morning service and then 530 at night will be our international banquet. That morning for life groups, we have a lot going on, and uh, hopefully you've gotten these in the past, but there is a, uh, there's a whole sheet about all the different life groups based on age, what's being offered. It's a green sheet like this at the information desk. There are also two new fresh offerings, hello, that we're giving out um, as well, and that is uh, I'll be doing a parenting class uh, in one, room 107, and Pastor Hans will be doing teens and money in room 103 down the hall here. So um, we want to we really want you to be there. These are a couple special items that we're going to run for nine weeks and then revert back to the regular materials. So put that on your calendar, and we do hope you'll make it out for life groups March 3rd. Pastor Hans, you ready? Let's see if they're ready for you. I don't, you know, I don't know. We never really know, do we, truly? Good morning, everybody. How are you? Hey, I, I, so I saw something, kind of an anomaly this morning. I saw somebody migrate from, during greeting time from this side to this side. It actually happened. They, one, one, uh, one person moved from here to there. I just want to say I'm so proud of them that they actually took the whole room in. And uh, we were excited about, about, about that, and they know who they are. So, well, good morning. How many were disappointed at the lack of snow? Are there any... Are there any team winter people here? Thank you, thank you. Okay, yeah, you're very quiet, but that's okay. Uh, team summer people, how about you? I tell you. Yeah, it's okay. Not everyone can be right. Not everyone can be right. See, uh, the reason I love winter, so this is the reason. It's not that I like to, it's not like I'm like, oh, shoveling. This is my favorite thing. It's just that when things are really cold, then I appreciate when it's really warm. So I, I feel that, you know, it's like, it's like when you're dead broke and then you come to a point where you have when you appreciate being broke, you know what I mean? So it's, that's just, that's my, that's my mentality, that's, I'm sticking to that. And not, again, not everybody can be right, it's fine. But it's good to see you and I hope that the Back to, um, Back to Basics series has been helpful to you. Um, our prayer is that maybe it's, it's helped you pray with more confidence. Uh, maybe it's, uh, it's helped you to find more strength from reading God's word. It en- it's encouraged you uh, when it comes to witnessing. Uh, it's maybe made you a more joyful giver. I, I, we hope all of those are true. 
And uh, it's, it's funny because sometimes we really want, we want quick fixes in life. How many, how many can just, just like scroll forever on hacks? You know, you'll see a, a hack somewhere, how to, how to do this. Oh, the latest one, and Jody tried it, and it actually worked. Is you, how many get a Costco chicken? Anybody grab a Costco chicken here? Okay, none of you. That's okay. Um, but if you grab one of the chickens, that has too many antibiotics. Okay, I don't know. I'm sorry. It's just a chicken, and it's five dollars. Uh, but if you grab that chicken while it's warm, put it in a, five, a gallon Ziploc bag, seal it up, and just go at the thing. Just smash it and crush it, and then it's, it's, the meat comes off easy. It's just a hack. But we love hacks in life. We do. We love those because it helps us to you maybe get where we want to go. And, uh, but remember, it's oftentimes the most basic things that are neglected, the most elementary things that are forgotten. That's kind of how we uh, oftentimes go through life. We, 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 we do things and we forget the most basic things, which, end, which again, back to the basics, what we've been talking about. And today I want to talk about the final basic, not in importance, but in our category of what we're doing, and that's making disciples, discipling. Uh, uh, and, and, and I could explain it, but maybe this video and this picture will help explain a little more. it's clear that Jesus wanted us to go. And if I could find one of those lever things that launches people for youth, that would be amazing. We could launch kids into the pond. Wouldn't that be unbelievable? Uh, but I think it's clear Jesus wanted us to go. He wanted us to go. And Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20 says, I've been given all authority. These are the words of Jesus in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, that I'm with you even to the end of the age. And that really is one of my favorite parts, that he's going to be with us. Be sure of this, that he'll be with us to the very end of the age. And this is supported by his authority. We've been commanded to go and make disciples, not just, not just bring the gospel, but to actually help people become disciples of Jesus. Because salvation is free, right? It's a free gift of God. Uh, it, it can't be earned. We understand that. Hopefully we do. But the truth is becoming a disciple will cost and does cost you and I everything. Costs us everything. The words of Jesus. Then he said to the crowd in Luke 9, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, what's going to happen? You'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, Jesus says, you will save it. So this disciple-making process is really showing people how to die to themselves. That's really what it is. This is how you live so that less of you and your, your, your will, your way happens and more of God's plan in your life. So, so how, do we, this, this, how do we fit it in, discipling? Who's supposed to make disciples? How long does it take? Is there a, like a manual? Like I could turn to like in your car, something's not working right. You know, you pull out the manual and say, oh, page, you know, 586 Appendix A, this is where it is. Is there a, is there a step-by-step process? What's, what's my role? Maybe, maybe you're like uh, a lot of people and you have a lot of questions. Well, this is what we do. There's a few things we know. If you're a Christian, you have been tasked with making disciples, if you're a Christian here, you have been tasked with doing that, to go and make disciples. It wasn't just for the original disciples, but as we're going to see in some scriptures later, it's for the disciples they make and the disciples they make. We've been tasked with that. The good news is we start where we are. Start where you are. That's the beauty of, of, of Jesus' heart to go. Secondly, we also know that since we've been tasked with this mandate, Jesus has given us his spirit to empower you. And as we just read a little while ago, you're not alone. Uh, how many have ever come and had to do something and you had to do it alone and you thought in your head, if I just had another set of hands, maybe you're under your hood working on something or you're working on your home or you're doing something. If I just had another person to help me. Yeah, the, the good news, the good news is that you're never alone when it comes to Jesus and his spirit. And the third thing is you are exactly the person you need to be, to be a disciple maker. You don't have to be me. I don't have to be you. You don't have to be the person across the aisle. You don't have to be that person that looks, maybe that you, uh, they have personality on personality and people are attracted. You don't need to be them. You can literally be you and you have everything you need to be a disciple maker. And uh, that's, a, that's a, an encouraging thing. And uh, you see, being someone who makes disciples is not only for like a few chosen people, a few maybe especially gifted or, or selected people. It's about us 
doing it outside of these walls, inside of these walls, and our overall strategy should be the one that, Ju- that Jesus utilized, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And uh, we're going to be referring to passages in the book of John, chapters 13 all the way to 17, and we're going to be reading various scriptures in there that really are the heart of Jesus and his strategy and the things he thought were important when it comes to making disciples. In these chapters, the context is this, is that Jesus is wrapping up his earthly ministry. Uh, he, he's, uh, the, uh, the, the, um, the, the place of this is the Last Supper, and he's talking, he's teaching. This is before Judas comes back in the garden and he's betrayed. And this is almost like the capstone. He's, he's summing things up for them. And uh, he's summing up what he's already lived before them. And in these words, Jesus is giving us a glimpse into his, his process, what he does. And here are some of the keys for you and I to become effective disciple makers. Um, number one, provide a good example to follow. Provide a good example to follow. I'll tell you, a good example to follow is super effective. You can bring your child here. You're, you can have you drop off your, your middle school, high school student here uh, every week without fail. And we can provide examples. That's, that's important. Our ranger leaders, our girls ministry leaders, our kids church, youth ministry, all that. It's, it's, it's amazing to have great examples. But we can't undo the example that you set, right? At home. Home is, you spend most of your time there. Most of your interactions are there. All these things happen. And so an effective example is extremely important. Have you ever been trained for a job and by someone who really was a good example? This is how you do it. This is, this is the way you do it. This is why you do that. If this happens, do this or try that. Like they, they trained you effectively. And when, they, and when you watch them work, they just did it well. And you learn so much from it. It could have been a parent that taught you how to work on vehicles or small engines. It could have been, could have been anybody. But think about that. How about money habits? Someone was an example to you. This is what you do when you get extra. This is what you do when you're faced with a decision about money. This is how you make decisions and handle things. Maybe it was a good communicator. You had somebody in your life that they just, they just communicated well. They were clear. You know, they, they, just, they said things in a certain way that were understandable. And they were just a, a great example to you. Um, uh, the, Charles Spurgeon said this. And I want you just to, to hear this because it won't be on the screen. A man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him... They reckon his deeds, the things he does, as dollars, and his words as pennies. And his life and doctrine, if, pardon me, if his life and his doctrine disagree, the mass of onlookers accept his practice and reject his preaching. So what we do, our example, is powerful when it comes to making disciples, uh, I had a, a, a man that I painted for named Adam Boyd. It was our first place of ministry, Braintree, Massachusetts. It was a church plant. We were, we were, I was working a job and working at the church, just trying to, trying to get, uh, trying to get kids ministry and youth ministry off the ground years and years ago. 
And uh, so I painted for Adam. He was a huge example to me, a great example. He owned his own painting company. He was a believer. And he hired me, and he could, he could work with my schedule. Uh, he taught me how to be diligent at work, how to always be doing something, get, get something done, get something done. Don't just wonder about everything, but just be moving, just keep getting things done. He taught me how to make time for uh, fun at work. Uh, Nola, on a Friday, he would say, hey, guys, we're going to be painting this house over here. Guess what? It's right near a park, and I brought an aerobie, which is one of those Frisbees that goes like a mile. So if we can hurry up this morning, let's get, let's get to this point, and then at lunchtime, let's just put our, wolf on our lunch, and then we'll go play in the park for the, after, you know, for part of, you know, for the rest of the lunch break. I mean, it was fun. We would be painting, and he would, he would just call, he could be on the other side, of the back side of the house, he would just say, okay, we're going to play a game, name an animal in the Bible. And, and we would just, we'd be, we'd be like, you're so corny, man. And so we'd, we'd be painting, and he, he would say an animal, then we would say, like, it was just working, but having fun. He was about getting things done, but having fun doing it. And then how to work together to accomplish a goal. These are things I learned from Adam. Maybe you have your Adam Boyd in your life that you learn things from, that you just picked up things, and a good example is powerful. People that set a good example are, are great disciple makers. Jesus set an example in many ways, and he specifically addressed two of these in John 13 through 17. And the first one is this, humility. The example of humility. John 13, 6 through 8 says this, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, he said to him, uh, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. How many have ever said that to somebody? You don't understand why I'm doing it. Maybe you said it to your child. Maybe you said it to someone that, you know, is, it works for you. You don't understand. Maybe you're not fully and get what's going on here, but, but you will. You will. Verse 8 says, no, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Jesus used a common courtesy, a show of hospitality, to provide a good example of humility. Jesus is telling Peter, no, no, you don't get it. You don't understand. Unless you humble yourself and allow me to wash your feet, you will never, ever belong to me. Remember, humility is the first step in being able to humble yourself, humble yourself and come to God. And it's also ultimately one of, the, one of the things we need to emulate to become a disciple. See, and that same Peter later on penned these words in 1 Peter 3.8. He says, finally, and this is, this is the words of Peter now. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. See, he got, he got the assignment for those social media people. He understood the assignment. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I think Peter, because of Christ's example, understood the power of humility. But not only should we provide a good example in humility if we want to be a disciple maker, 
But we need to provide a good example in service. In service. In Matthew 20, 25 to 28. But Jesus called them together and he said, You know that the rulers of the, of the world, they lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over them. Have you ever worked for somebody like that? I'm the boss. Or maybe you were in a sibling order and you weren't the top of the food chain and, and they're like, hey, mom and dad out here, I'm the boss. You know, maybe they've said that to you or you've, you, maybe, maybe you said that. Maybe you were that older sibling that was kind of like that person and you said that. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You know how it goes out there in the world. Verse 26, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, there's a standard of service that Jesus holds to, and he actually holds his followers to it as well. See, the goal is for me not to be served. The goal is to serve. But let's face it, we love being served, don't we? I mean, come on, come on. Don't, look, don't you look at me like that. You love being served. You love it. I can go on any Thursday, Friday, Saturday night to most restaurants, and it's packed. Why? Because we love being served. You don't have to think about what you need to take out of the freezer and thaw for tonight. You just show up and it's all there. You have a menu with all kinds of choices, Pastor Brandon, all kinds of choices that, that, that we could pick that you and Lynn could go out and go, go, you know, just go choose whatever you want. You don't have to cook it. You don't have to keep an eye on the temperature of the oven. You don't have to prep anything, even though that's kind of the fun part, you know. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to go get it. They bring it to you. If your little face gets dirty, they bring you to the napkin. I mean, it's fantastic. We love being served. How about, how about our, our marriages, too? We love it in marriage when that other person does everything we want them to do. Isn't that the truth? When they act the right way, when they smell the right way, when they look the right way, when they say things in the way they should say things. We like that. We love being served. You know, the things that are important to me in marriage and, and you in marriage, like when the love notes happen and they happen at the right time, when there's sex, right? We like that. And when there's sex, right, we like that. <laughs> when there's thoughtful gestures. My wife's going to kill me later. When there's help, when there's help with home, you know, like, I'm not even looking at her. I can't look at her right now. <laughs> She's there, but I'm not looking. Sorry. Okay. When, when there's help with home, you know, there's things happening in the house. You need help. When there's, when there's projects that need to be accomplished, when there's fun dates that are happening, all that. We love it when the other one does the things we want them to do because the truth is, is we love to be served. But can you imagine 
what would happen to marriages, forget the world, forget, just here, just, let's just take us. What would happen to marriages here if we made it our mission daily, weekly, monthly to, to focus on, you know, this isn't about, this marriage isn't about how I can be served. How can I serve? How can I, what can I do for you that will be a help, a blessing, uh, an encouragement? What, if that was my focus, marriages just in this building, forget about outside of here, would literally be transformed. But we get so stuck as people into wanting to be served. You know, in the same vein, there are many of you here that hold to Jesus' example yourselves. And Wednesday nights, you say, you know what, I could stay home Wednesday night, but I'm going to go to that cabin and I'm going to serve these boys and teach them and listen to them and have fun with them and instruct them. And you do it with girls ministry here. You come in here. You can be home, but you come in here. You do that. Sunday morning, you can sleep in, but you teach a life group, whatever it might be. But, but you, get, you get that it's not about being served. It's okay to be served sometimes. You know, it just happens in life. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a sin to be served by someone. But oftentimes, we forget that one of the greatest examples we can, we can provide the next generation or each other is the example of service. And uh, if you make serving your goal and not being served, you will be a good example of those that God has placed under your influence. And to be an effective disciple maker, we're not only called to be good examples, uh, which is super important, but we're also called to display the evidence of love. So be good examples. That's one of the ways you're going to be a great disciple maker. Be a good example. But also to display the evidence of love. And I'm going to explain that. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, and you'll see that love passage that's read at every wedding. We're excited. In our family, we've got two weddings coming up. We've got one April 21st, and we've got one on June 1st, and our lovely daughter Heidi's getting married. We're excited for her and her, her fiancé, Reiner. And those passages are read at weddings. Maybe they've been read at your wedding. They're, they're very appropriate, very fitting. But, and, and that shows us what, what love looks like in a relationship. Jesus, however, provides an evidence of love that is vital in the life of the disciple and in the process of making a disciple. John 14 uh, has two different passages, and it reads this way. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. And then in verse 23 and 24, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Jesus isn't just require, requiring this of his disciples, and neither should we, but he actually lived it. He actually lived it. In John 14, this is the words of Jesus. But I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. See, shortly after this moment in the garden, remember Jesus' famous, word, famous words, not my will be done, but yours. See, providing an evidence of love. 
See, we often want to replace obedience with all kinds of different things. Sometimes we want to replace obedience with the right words. If I pray a certain way, if I, if I say certain things, if I talk in a way that's very Christian, then that'll make up for my lack of obedience. Or, or maybe uh, 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 we're proud of what we don't do. Well, I don't do this. I don't hang out with those people. I don't do this. And we have this big checklist of all the things that we don't do. And it can, in our own, in our own eyes, puff us up and make us uh, forget about the fact that we're not obeying God in, in one way or another. Church attendance. Again, we're glad you're here. This is what you should do as a disciple. But this doesn't replace obedience. Giving, volunteering. You know, um, we may think, God, I'll, I'll do all these other things. I just don't want to obey you in this way. I just don't want to do that thing that you've said before me, that you've, you've asked of me, have called me to do. Scottish theologian P.T. Forsyth wrote about obedience, and I'm going to read it twice because it's so good. He says, The first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. The, again, the first duty of every soul, every soul, is not to find its freedom, but to find out whose master when you read that and you think, boy, that, that's, a, that's a heart of a disciple is learning who's, is sin going to be your master or is Jesus going to be your master? We all have to come to that place. And we can say it this way, a disciple maker finds their master and then passes that on to those they are discipling. Finally, Jesus, through these chapters, instills a truth to guide his disciples. He instills a truth. So we talked about being an example in humility and in service. We talked about displaying an evidence of love. It's not, oh, I love you. That's why, you, you know, it's not words. Uh, it's not all these things. It's actually obedience. Obedience displays, shows, provides an evidence that we love God. I can say I love God all I want. But if there's not obedience in my life and there's not obedience in your life, it's just a bunch of words. It's pretend. It's actually not real. And the third thing, when it comes to being a person that is a discipler, Instilling a truth to guide. Instilling a truth to guide. I had a professor in college, my homiletics professor. Her name was Judy Brown. And she instilled truth in us about preaching, about communicating, about this, whether it be in a smaller context or, or a larger context. And she had these three S's, three S's of good preaching. Keep it short which I'm still working on in my life. I really am still working on that. Short, sincere, and scripture. If you have a lot of scripture, and I've said it before, at least something you say will be anointed if you have a lot of scripture in your messages. And it's true. And that has literally, that truth has really guided me till, till, till today to, to try to keep it short, to be sincere. Don't be sincere about what you're communicating. Love people in your, as, you're, as you're preaching to them. And keep scripture in there because that really is the anointed uh, thing we have to say. Now, has someone instilled a truth in your life that has, that has guided you? Maybe a truth about money. Maybe a truth about, about marriage. When you do this and do that, marriage is, 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 is powerful and effective about work, about honesty, about friendship. 
Well, Paul instilled the importance of passing on truth to guide future disciples in his second letter to the young pastor Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that, will be, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So take what I've given, teach it to trustworthy people who are going to pass it on to the next person, who are going to pass it on to the next person. That's why we have all been given the task of being a disciple maker, to teach, to pass on those truths. That is discipling. In our original text, the, uh, the book of John, chapters 13 through 17, Jesus, again, he, he reiterates some things. He communicates. He instills truth. Even at this last hour of his life where he's going to be able to talk with them freely, he instills these truths. He instills truth about himself. And I'm just going to, uh, uh, Rachel, I'm just going to literally go from one scripture to the next. You can just put it up there. But he instills truth about himself in John 14. Jesus told them, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. He, he, he communicates the truth about growth as a disciple. In John 15, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. He communicates the truth or the reality of being a disciple. John 15, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. In John 15, 20 and 21, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than their master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would have listened to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who has sent me. And the work of the Holy Spirit. He communicated the truth of that in John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And a side note when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the high jump record, indoor, outdoor, the high jump record uh, is set by, I believe, a Cuban man. And uh, this is, so this is for men and women, the, the, the human being who's jumped the highest. It's eight feet, half inch, I believe it is. Eight feet, and of course they do it in metric, but I think the equivalent is about eight feet half. Just for to, the running high jump, just to run and just to jump over a bar, eight feet. So basically eight feet, that's pretty high. I mean, I can, I can with, my, with my, uh, my fingertips, I can touch eight feet. I, I, can, I, can, I can touch you. It's like that, like jumping over that. That's insane. Getting your whole body over that. The pole vault, the record for the pole vault is 20 feet, 5 inches for the pole vault. 20 feet, 5 inches. Unbelievable. I think I have that right. I, I might be off a digit, but it's pretty close. When you think of the Holy Spirit and his work, See, in human effort, even the most talented among us, the most gifted, you're getting eight feet. The most, the most gifted, talented, uh, everything. The, at, the, at our best, we're there. But 
the, the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit is he takes what you and I have, like a pole vaulter, and he helps us get past, over, things that we could never do in our own strength. Never, ever do on our own strength. And I want to conclude with this encouragement. Number one, God has not called you to hoard all he has done for you to yourself. God has not called you to take salvation, uh, your process of becoming like Jesus, the gifts he's given you, all that. He has not called us to keep that to ourselves. The second encouragement is to start where you are. You know, I, I remember when we were raising our kids and they were very young, and it was, it was, it was with, with, you know, some have had more, some less, whatever, uh, but with four kids, you just, you know, you're trying to, Jody's trying to survive every day, you know, try to make sure we got everybody good and no one's killing each other and, you know, and like, that's your life. If you're a mom and you've got one or two or three, well, however many kids you got, that's your, your life is trying to make their lives happen, right? And so that's your season. That's where you're at, man. Make disciples. They're really little. You're faster than them still. You can, you know, you're stronger than them. Make disciples wherever you are. If you're at work and you're a place where you have influence, make them. Wherever you are, if you're, if you're a leader on a Wednesday night, you're teaching here, you're, maybe you're not in, the, in this room, you're in nursery right now and you're teaching, like make that your place. Start where you are. And if you don't have any opportunities right now, pray, Lord, is there someone you can bring into my life that I can not only share the gospel with, but I can help them along to become like Jesus? The third one is to be a good example. Be a good example in humility and service. The beauty of this is if you mess up and be an example, all you got to do is be humble, apologize, ask for forgiveness, and move on, and you're being a great example. It's like, it's a, it's a perfect situation. The next one, display the evidence of love, which is obedience. Nothing replaces obedience. The prophet Samuel says it this to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken or listen than the choicest part of the sacrifice, the lamb. And then lastly, understand the truth and instill it into those you are discipling. You don't need to know the Bible from front to back and everything in the middle, but you need to know truth so you actually have something to instill. I've heard more teachers and leaders over the years say, boy, I tell you, I have grown in my faith more preparing lessons, getting things ready than I ever did sitting and listening to someone speak or whatever it might be. And it's true. It's because you're instilling that in, you, in yourself and you're instilling it in them. And uh, if I could have uh, Heather come, if she would come to the keyboard, and I just need her to play, not a song necessarily, but just to play for a moment. I'd like to do something. And I'm going to have certain people, and it'll be a good chunk of you, so don't worry about it. But those that are currently serving... And our discipleship ministries could be nursery, could be girls' ministry. Don't, don't move or do anything yet. Could be nursery, could be girls' ministry, could be rangers, could be in our Sunday morning life groups, divorce care, grief share, uh, visitation. But you're, you're somehow involved in that discipleship process for people. Uh, if you're here, and just hang tight, don't do anything yet. But if you're here in a moment, in a moment, I'm going to have you just stand in your seat. You're just going to stand where you are. And then there's another group. Those of you that maybe, maybe you're not a part of an organized um, um, uh, 
situation where you're discipling people, but maybe there's someone in your life that has come to know Christ recently, or you've led them to the Lord, and, and you're, you're, you're helping lead them along, you know, you're, you're discipling them, you're being a good example to them, you're instilling truth in them, you know, you're sharing your faith, you're having conversations, you're, you're just, you're discipling them, you're like what the video showed, you're not doing it in a building, but you're out in a park, or you're at work, or you're somewhere, and you're, you're discipling somebody. If you are the first group that is an active part of, of an organized effort to disciple people, or you are that person that's discipling someone just on your own. Again, maybe someone we don't even know. That's, that's no problem. But if that's you, would you just stand to your feet where you are? Would you stand to your feet together? There's going to be a bunch of you in here. And I know we've got some serving now, and we've got some serving in different parts of the building that would, would be here if, uh, and stand with you. I want to pray a blessing over you because what you do, the example that you set, um, the truth that you communicate, the obedience you display, that's powerful. And I want to pray for you now. Lord Jesus, you see all these folks that are standing. And God, I pray your anointing, your power over their lives today. Lord, I pray a blessing over every conversation they have. Lord, if they're having to prepare a lesson to fulfill it, God, let there be a new joy in that. Let there be new, a new passion in it, a new hunger for you, a new zeal, a new desire to see lives changed. Anoint them as they have conversations and they sit with people or kids or adults or whoever they might be. Would you bless them today in a powerful way? God, give them effectiveness. Let their example shape people for years to come. Lord, if some of them are, are maybe even discouraged, feeling like what they're doing is not making a difference, feeling like it's just, you know, wasted effort, or, you know, we, we can kind of get that way sometimes. Jesus, would you, would you renew them today? Lord, I pray that the, the, the hour they give or the conversation they have, that you would pour back on their lives so much and they would recognize your blessing over their efforts. Everyone who's leading, even ministries within our church here, would you anoint them, give them new vision, new power, uh, new influence, bless their lives today. We are grateful for them and we pray your very best on them in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could have everyone stand, everyone, so everyone in the room. Can you imagine, can you imagine what the kingdom of God would be like if every single one of us in this room was making a disciple? Can you imagine what our community would be like what your world would be like if every single one of us in here had someone they were discipling. And we do have more formal pro, pro, you know, program type ways of discipling. Those are, those are absolutely valid. But so isn't that person that you have lunch with and read your Bible and they're new in their faith or that person that's in your family, a cousin or somebody that you've been trying to, to show them, teach them and just bring them along in their faith. That's just as valid if we were all, every one of us, making disciples while wow, the kingdom of God would be impacted powerfully. And so I'd like to pray that way before we dismiss today.
God, you've commanded us, Matthew 28, go make disciples. I know that you were talking to your disciples right there, but it is a commission for all of us that follow the disciples that were the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. God, we are people that are called to make disciples, to go and share not only the power, the forgiveness, the love of God through Jesus, but we are to help them become like you, to die to themselves, to live for you, to realize that we are not here to be served, but to serve. And Lord, we do that gladly today. And I pray again, your anointing, your blessing, your power on each one here. God, convince us if we're not convinced already. There's someone in our lives that, that God has put in our path, put in our place of influence, put in our way that we need to be able to share, not only share Jesus, but to help them become like you. Lord, would you anoint them and bless them? We say thank you for this time. We're grateful for this morning together. And we seal it with your spirit and pray a blessing over it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen.